And I had always said to her, I said, listen, as long as I can work, I'm going to save the bankruptcy card because if something happens to me, you need to use it because we had assets. I said, I'll go out and grind and do whatever it takes. You save that wild card if something ever happens to me. It was a huge failure, but probably I mean, there was a lot of grief during that time for us. It was not you know, what it is today. It's a big turning point for me to understand what was important, what it means to focus on one thing and what it means to build something on your own versus having partners and things like that. And really Really finding an industry that can't smack you in the face like that and completely derail you. And I was laser focused and that's how we moved into where we are today with Trisources. In today's social media obsessed world, we all see the successes, the world record breaking, and the achievements of the people we look up to. But what we don't see is what goes on behind the scene. Hosted by power couple Dean and Alana Stott, this show is dedicated to asking difficult questions while discovering the support systems and people behind those we love and respect in media, business, athletics, and high-performance culture. Dean and Alana believe that through honest communication, teamwork, and mutual respect, that anything is possible. Like, there's not a better partner I could choose who's equally as crazy as me because we have a chip on our shoulder to prove people wrong, you know, uh, and to prove ourselves right. I can go be the face of this. I can go do this. But I don't understand the back end of this. I have to learn business. I have to learn how this works. Many couples in this dynamic are stuck and unable to move forward in an identity crisis. Marcus's energy is so bad, I feel like I need to cleanse my house. Like, it is so, it's suffocating. And then seeing him 24 hours later, he was as light as air. Yeah. And we literally, I, like, we literally embraced, hugged. I stepped back and I said, this is exactly what the guys need. When we can look behind the scene and learn from each other, we can finally move forward and transform into our fullest potential. But Matt, Wendy, uh, firstly, thank you for, for joining us on Behind the Scene. I met you guys about three months ago. I was guest speaking for your, your company annual conference, mm -hmm. for your, your management team. Retreat. I remember doing my presentation. As you heard in my presentation, I mentioned a lot about Alana in there. And um, afterwards we were talking, I offered up questions to the room and Wendy, I didn't know who you were at the time. You were sat <laughs> at the back of the room and then you, you raised your hand and you said, I like the fact that you mentioned your wife, you know, the importance of her being part of the team and your mm -hmm. success was your wife. And the pin then dropped that you were actually Matt's wife as well. And so, um, <laughs> and so that's why I thought, perfect, you know, it'd be great to have you guys on because it sounds like your journey um, is very similar to ours and very similar to some of our, our, our other guests. Um, doesn't matter what background, um, you're only, your team is, you're only su su successful as your support team. And it sounds like your story is very different as well. Um, so we're pleased to have you on and we'd love to know more about, about you both and, and share your story. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Excited about it. So um, go ahead. Yeah. So as with everybody we get on here, we've, we've pretty much heard, are we, uh, for the audience who know, you guys, they probably know most, Matt, about yourself. So I'm just going to dive straight into Wendy, if you don't mind. Um, 
can you tell me how you grew up, where you grew up and what brought you to meeting your husband? Sure. I was born in Nicaragua and I came here at right after turning four because the war was going on in Nicaragua. And so most of my mom's family, my mom's side of the family came and immigrated to the Cal California to get away from the war with the intent of going back okay. to Nicaragua. But as the years went on and the country wasn't getting better for a long time, of course, we started to build a life, to build yeah. a life here and we ended up staying. Um, so, of course, from four until my whole teen, everything, I was in Southern California. Um, I ended up going to college at San Jose State and was getting a degree in psychology. Um, my big plan was that I was... Because I was raised by a single mom, um, I was never going to be a single mom who had to work a lot of small jobs. And, you know, I was very set on, I'm getting a degree, I'm getting a master's degree, I'm going to be licensed, I'm going to be a therapist, I'm going to, you know, girl power. Kind yeah, of. yeah. <laughs> girl power. Um, at San Jose State, I met Matt, and um, who was getting his degree in business. And so we kind of shifted at one point and said, which one of us is going to get their master's degree first. And so I went straight into working full time to help him support, get his finish his degree and get his master's. Um, and by the time he finished all of that, we had had our son Jared. And um, getting ready to have our daughter Giselle as well. And so he said, okay, it's your turn because now I've got my master's and do you want to go back? But by then I had been staying home with the two kids yeah. and decided, okay, well, let's put a pause on that and I'll just finish raising the kids first and then see where that takes us. So that's kind of in a nutshell how you got to how there. I got. Yes. So you, your mom was on her own when you came across? My mom was on her own with wow. two, two girls. Well, yeah. Actually, you came with your grandma first. I first came with my grandmother. Yes, my yeah. mom stayed behind with my sister. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to get out of the country. I'm mean, you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's similar like, to what you you know extraction it's, like it's at yeah. that time. It's <laughs> tough yeah. at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and that would have been um, 1979. Well, 79. So obviously, like we we've only just moved to this country and we can see what's going on yeah. in the border situation just now. Was were, was things like that happening back then? Was it, you know, were you I, treated with hostility when you got here? No, I, if I was, I wouldn't remember. Okay. I was four years old and um, some of my relatives were already here. Some of my aunts and uncles had married Americans and they had come here and they had started building their lives. So we came and we stayed with family. I came over with my grandma and I lived here for a full year with just my grandma and an aunt and uncle. Um, and my mom stayed at the war and she had basically signed away her parental rights and said, take one, because only one can go at this time. And, you know, we'll sign and say, you're in charge of her to my grandmother. And my grandma said, sure, I'll take one. If we can save one, let's go. Yeah. Um, and it was a full year later, exactly to the month, July and July. Um, of July of 1980, my mom came over with my sister, um, who's younger and really didn't remember she had a sister because she was only one. So I remember, this is like, you know, when you say you don't have a lot of memories of childhood, but you have little snippets, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? And I remember my sister coming and I was so excited to see my mom, who I hadn't seen in a year. And, you know, this is the time before FaceTime. And then yeah. you, yeah. you don't see your, <laughs> 1979, you don't see, if you leave the country, you yeah. don't yeah. see a person for a year. 
Um, but I was so excited to see her. And my sister kept pushing me and saying, she's my mom, not your mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not your mom. Um, but she, so she, yeah, she came over alone and um, she, she busted her ass yeah. to, to, my mom was very set on, we will come to this country and take refuge, but we won't take anything else. She had, um, and she's still that way. Okay. She is very set on um, making her own way. You you come here and you accept the help, but you don't take anything from them. So mm -hmm. she worked three jobs. She, she was going to night school learning English because she arrived and she didn't even know what high meant when she got here. Um, so she was going to night school to take um, English classes to learn the language. And she was working at a place called Pick and Save for a while. It's like, it's like big a, lots, yeah. like yeah. Okay. Kmart, Target kind yeah. of thing, but but even less, yeah. you know, smaller. Uh, she worked at Kmart. Um, and then eventually when she learned English, she started learning a banking school. You go to banking school. So she was a bank teller for a long time. Um but that was her her background. Mm -hmm. So she constantly would say to my sister and I, um, you get your degree. You don't, you know, don't get trapped in in this life. This is, mm -hmm. you know, I, I obviously I wouldn't change it for the world because I have you guys. But this is tough. Mm -hmm. I don't want this for you. So you get your degree. You go to college. You don't ask anybody for anything in return. You just are here and you be Dream grateful depends. and you make an impact and do what you're going to do. And how hard was that then to, um, because from what we've seen, it's super expensive to go to university and things here. How how did you manage that situation? Um, I got lucky in two ways, to be honest. My dad, who stayed in Nicaragua, um, came into my life when I was closer to 12, 13. Um, he was involved in the war. And so there was a, a weird time where there was a gap between us communicating. Hmm. Um, but then he came back. And so when it came time for college, he said, I want to help you pay for college. You know, he he's still in Nicaragua to this day. Um, but he said, I want to help you pay. Um, on top of that, we were able to get some financial aid through okay. through the government. Okay. And so between the two things, I was able to make it work. Um, I worked during summer, I worked during winter. My final year, I worked the full time um, for this, the county of Santa Clara, I worked for a children's shelter. Um, so we were like the st stopping grounds for um, if a child gets pulled out of their home, because of any kind of abuse, any kind of drug bust, anything bad that happens in a person in a child's home, and there's children involved, mm -hmm. the children get taken and they get taken into a um, county shelter, a shelter, mm -hmm. a shelter. Yeah. And then so that's where I worked for a little over a year um, through college. Wow. Yeah. So your work ethic probably came from your from your mother then. Absolutely. And the drive. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned your father's back in Nicaragua. Who else stayed in Nicaragua? Because there's any part of the family that came here who, who remained in Nicaragua? Pretty much my entire mom's side of the family came mm -hmm. to Nicaragua and the, my entire dad's side of the family stayed and they are still mostly there. Okay. Yeah. And, and I know that we'll go into that shortly. That's why you you have a business still in Nicaragua or started in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the um, I mean, you met <clears throat> at college. Yes. And yeah. um, at what what stage did you decide that you're going to hold on your degree and and you you're going to push forward? Who who made that decision, or was it a mutual decision? 
It was pretty. I had finished my bachelor's before he finished his bachelor's. Okay. Um, and so at that point, I was like, you've got to finish your bachelor's before we can't just stay in school because we need to make money. You know, cool. we need to support each other. And now we're in our 20s and it's somebody's got to make a decision. So I thought you finish your bachelor's and then I'll work. And when you're done, I'll go back to master's and you work. Yeah. But by the time he finished bachelor's, he was like, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. Let me just power through. Are we, are we good with that? And I thought, yeah, just keep going, keep going. It's hard to get, be in the mindset of school mm. and then get out of the mindset of school and go back into the mindset yeah. of school. Yeah. So I thought you're already in the mindset. Just continue on. Yeah. And, and things change as well in, in life, yes, you know, absolutely. The, the evolutions sure. at the time you thought I'll go back into school, but mm. you know, you have children, uh, you blink five years past, and then you have different mm -hmm. divisions, different paths. So, but that's a huge sacrifice. And did you ever, did you ever go back and finish that, or I have is it something not, you regret? Or? I have not. I do not regret it. No. I do not regret it. I have been home with, with Jarrett and Giselle for nineteen years now. Mm -hmm. Nineteen mm -hmm. years, um, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. I really wouldn't have traded the time for anything. Um, I got very, very much involved in the PTA once the kids both went to school because it was at the point that our daughter started kindergarten that we sat down again and had a second conversation of, okay, they're both going to be in school full time. Where do we go from here? Do mm -hmm. I jump back into school, get a some kind of credential licensing, something to do to go back to work? Or, you know, what do you think? And And he literally said, look, I don't want to help you with laundry. I'm just going to be honest right now. I don't want to go to Costco on the weekends. Yeah. I, if I never set foot in a Target again, I'm going to be just fine. I love the arrangement we have going. You know, I he was traveling a lot for work. You know, yeah. he was traveling to Nicaragua a lot. And he said, if the kids are sick and something, I can't jump in and help you. You know, right now, that's your main focus and I'm okay with it. If you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. We'll just continue on and you just be like superstar mom basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, uh, these are all things I love. I love working with kids. So mm -hmm. I literally jumped in headfirst into the PTA and ended up being the president and the vice president and um, running some of our biggest fundraisers that we had. Yeah. And I went, and I'm still, and we're in the middle of teacher appreciation week at the high school and, uh, and I was there Friday yeah. and they're still calling me. So I, I don't regret it at all. Well, I think too, the important thing is, is that it's a, uh, uh, it was a mutual decision. It wasn't, you mm -hmm. know, it wasn't me saying you yeah. stay home. I'm going to do this. We yeah. looked at it more on a kind of a 30,000 foot perspective and said, because uh, she did work in, in um, her industry for, you know, a couple of years. And, and when we looked at the economics behind it, and daycare and what it cost the take home from her side was was it was like a wash it was yeah. we, we were paying for her to go to work you know so <laughs> i said let me you know see what i can go forge ahead and and, and create and uh you know i think one thing that she she you know is really um uh, humble about is the impact of the you know that decision you know, she mentioned 19 years with the kids but the impact that that's made you know and and I remember going into parent-teacher conferences, our kids all throughout, you know, and I would go to the teacher and I would say, I don't give a shit what the grades are. You tell me if they're respectful, do they look you in the eye, do they shake your hand, 
and and are they ever a problem in class? And some of the best marks were, um, you know, in the conversations where you have two of the most respectful kids and, you know, they're great to be around. And, and that was, was important to not just me, but to us. And, uh, you know, because I'm a, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, what's the word? direct, I guess you would say, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to, to that. And so, um, you know, it was, it was important and, and, uh, you know, looking at where the kids are today, you know, is the best decision that we've made yeah. to, to, to go down yeah. that, that route. And her job is a thousand times more difficult than mine. Yeah. You know, I would do, you know, I, I do some pretty comprehensive things and complex things, but you know, I, I, I she's the CEO of our house, you know, at the end of the day <laughs> and the family. Yeah. So I have a company. She has the family. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> and when you when you met um, in college, did did you, I mean, from belief from what I've been told about your entrepreneurialness and things, was, was it always your dream to have the family and the the successful businesses or were you on a f- business focus? You know, when I was in college, I mean, I've done a lot of, um, you know, as we all have, we kind of evolve and mature over time. When I was in college, to be honest with you, I was a little rough around the edges. <laughs> I was a fo- college football player. I always had, even when we met, I mean, she didn't tell you, she, she kind of skipped over how we met. Um, we'll but, go back to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, I was always looking for the next thing, the next thing, well, you know. And I remember, you know, until what, my early 30s? Maybe mid-30s, I'll be honest with you. Not that long ago, um, you know, uh, where she was like, if you focus on one thing and do it 100%, you're going to, you're going to, achieve things that you never thought were possible because I was of the mindset, okay, I'm going to have, you know, let's get this off the ground. Let's get this, let's do that. And it was like 10%, 20%, all these focus points at less than hundred percent. And, uh, took me a long time to, I think that was partially due to, um, you know, my competitive spirit wanting to, you know, uh, prove people wrong, mm-hmm. um, whether it be on the field or it be in business, whatever. Um, so I, I, until I got to the point where I kind of accepted and listened to what she said and, and it resonated with me, um, that was my turning point, you know, so, uh, for sure. But you always wanted the family. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Sure. The family, family was, I, yeah, I mean, we, I think I would have probably waited even another year or two to, to start a family, but he was like, mm-hmm. we're having a baby soon, right? Like we're having a baby soon. Like it was he couldn't wait to get started. Yeah. And I was like, well, we're only making this much and we got to buy a house. I was and always, we'll figure it I out. I think we should get yeah, a house yeah, first. We'll yeah. You know, it, it was we'll like, it I, I was, I'm very. And how far away were you from your degree at the point that you decided to have Jared then? Oh no, I was done. Oh, she was done. Oh, you, done. I was yeah. done. you did get your. I, I graduated San Jose State in 1998 and we didn't have Jared until 2003. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wanted to wait. I wanted to wait. I would have even waited probably another year just mm-hmm. because my my growing you know the way i grew up of like we were always fed and we always had a roof over our house but it was like over our heads but it was very um if the car broke down you yeah. had to move you're living money. you had yeah, to yeah, you yeah. had to move and and it was like catastrophic mm-hmm. and i kept thinking and i'm still that person who's like okay if something happens and if this happens and now we've got a second one who's starting college and you know are we like you know and he laughs at me like 
we're good. We're yeah, good. Yeah. We can put them both through college. And I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, if, what if another pandemic hits and what yeah. if this happens? And he's like, no, we're good. We're good. We can, we've got it. We've got it handled. I think that's something that if you grow up with that, I call it the fear, you know, if you've ever not had electricity or yes. ever not had food and you've had that like fear, you just make sure it never happens again. Yeah. So you've just constantly yes. got that. And I think that's one of the biggest, scariest things for us. Um, you know, being able to give the kids that better life. Mm -hmm. We almost want to not give them that better life because we're thinking, where's their resilience and where's their, their strength coming yeah. from? So that's their, our balance in that, isn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think you're right. Yeah, because we obviously come from humble beginnings, like homeless mm -hmm. homes. So yeah, I don't ever want our children to be fearful of where the next meal is coming from. But as you touched on, you want them to be brought up well. And I think I'm coming back to what you mentioned earlier, Matt, is don't really care about the grades. Are they respectful? Are they saying their P's and Q's? Yeah. Cause that's been brought up well. And they're almost a reflection on you as well. Um, you know, I mean, you could have a child who's got straight A's, but can be an ignorant little shit. Absolutely. And, you know, Absolutely. I don't care. Well, I'd rather have a child who's struggling with his grades, but very polite, mm -hmm. a chivalry and, yeah. and respect for elders. So yeah, I, I get that. But the, the key, the key point I, I, I picked up earlier is that you both agreed what you're going to do moving moving forward we i see smooth relationships <clears throat> excuse me and i see turbulent relationships and it tends to be when they haven't communicated they don't know what the plan is and the fact that you you were comfortable you know matt gets his degree we'll have a family and going back to the family there's never a right time to have a family yeah. you know what i mean right. it never yeah. financially like never financially in a good yeah. position that you know um, you know, when is the right time? All three of ours were never planned. Yeah. You know, it's the only thing they've got in common, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the only thing they've got in common. Yeah. We planned and we still wouldn't have any children. But um And then so you've made the decision and you're gonna do this and you've you've discussed it together, but I understand there was no regrets because you've got two amazing children and yeah. your husband's doing really well. But was there ever a moment of an identity um imbalance? Did you ever feel that I guess the people PTA probably came into yeah. that, but um, for yourself, did you ever have? I think we all have our moments when you've got like a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old and everybody's crying and and you're looking around and your house isn't clean and you're like, oh God, I gave up, you know, this for this, <laughs> you know, nobody real and everybody just says, oh, you're so lucky you get to sit home all day. You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, I've the... never worked so hard in my life, <laughs> you know, and there's moments where, you know, I've said to him, like, the kitchen was clean and you came in and you made peanut butter and jelly and there's like crumbs now. And, <laughs> you know, it's like me coming into your office and throwing things around mm -hmm. and then walking away. You know, this is my office space. And you just came in after I had clocked out for the day and finally had my moment after a 13, 14 hours of crazy and, you know, you have those moments where you're like, shit, what am I doing? Yeah. And then and then you have this like redemption of, okay, I'm in the PTA and I'm not doing this for my two kids. There's 700 kids at this school and every dollar I help earn and every activity I help plan and decorate for and pour my blood, sweat and tears in is for 700 kids, not just for my two kids. And my son had said to me one time, mom, why do you get so stressed out? I mean, you're not even being paid for this. 
And I said to him, okay, well, you don't get paid when you go to soccer practice. So let's just be late to that. And let's just not give 100% effort in something. And he was like, no, but you have to give 100%. And I said, why? You're not being paid. You're not being paid. (laughs) And he said, okay, I get it. I get it. And I think my daughter loves a lot of volunteer work. Not that my son doesn't. He does as well. Um, But she's kind of in that, I want to study psychology and I want to, you know, give back. And and I think seeing how much he valued what I did that Mm -hmm. I wasn't being paid for Mm -hmm. um, helps so that our kids are like, it's a, there's a a value there, not because I had a job that I was being paid for, but because I had a job that I volunteered to do and that so many people were benefiting from. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we also, you know, I was very... Um, very important to me that the kids understood, you know, the job that she did, right. And mm-hmm. the role that she had and that it was never disrespected. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I think like, you, know, you look in society today and, uh, you know, you see those disconnects or you hear those things like, oh, you, you sit home all day, right? Somebody is not reinforcing the job that that there's the significant other mm-hmm. spouse is doing the one that's staying home, yeah. whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that was important that, you know, one thing that I think we've done really well, really well over 27 years is. We've always, you talked about, you know, having a plan and communicating. Um, I made, we made one rule together early on, um, very early on. And I said, if we ever break up, we're never getting back together. So let's not ever break up. And we've never (laughs) broken up, like for anything. We've always talked through stuff. We've always, you know, I think one of the the biggest things for us is that we do have a good team, you know, like together. Um, And we don't see eye to eye on everything all the time. Nobody does. But we, you know, uh, there was a rule I remember growing, you know, I think many people know about, but don't go to bed angry, you know, yeah. we kind of live that right, you know, and or try to the best that we can. And uh, so, you know, compared to other relationships that, you know, we see or are involved or around, it's, you know, I think there is a uniqueness to that um, in, in terms of, you know, being able to, to communicate um, and be able to. Um, There's never been a time when he's ever said, "Well, I'm the one bringing home the money, so no. I'm mm-hmm. making decisions." Yeah. You know, it never rubbed your it nose was in never, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that is that's it's slightly a little bit unique in the way mm-hmm. that I think even the way that society's trying to portray it at the minute as to what a masculine man is and what a a proper woman is in these kind of relationships because. You know that is so important if you're if you're having this type of relationship that um, you are able to communicate and respect, but it's almost the kind of alpha male that people are trying to portray right now, or right. saying that I'm making the money, so you have to behave in this certain type yeah. of way. But actually, all this other work that's going on that isn't being spoken about, it almost gives that kind of, I guess, that immaturity of what sure. people think mm-hmm. this this is. Well, he's always said, there's no way I could go out of town and leave the kids behind if I didn't think for a second that they were fine and covered, yeah. that you had it handled. You can't, who's going to watch your kids? On that yeah, you, you can't put, you just can't. And so therefore, what are you building if I'm not holding it down at home? Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a very 50-50 mentality of, there's there would be no you without me and there would be no me without you because as much as I want to stay home and raise my kids and have this great relationship and be able to volunteer 
if he wasn't putting a roof over our heads, then that would go out the window as well. And yeah. I would mm -hmm. have to figure it out some other way. And you, you know, we early on, you, you were, when I was playing football and going to school and stuff, she was, she was covering me, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and, and trust me, the money was a lot different back then than it is today. <laughs> so, you know, she, she was, you know, when she was working at the County and the shelter and stuff like that, you know, that, that hourly rage wage was, um, uh, you know, taking care of us. So, you know, it's just, like I said, I think it goes back to team. It goes back yeah. to aligning mm -hmm. on what's best for, for, you know, team research, so to speak, you know what yeah. I mean? As mm -hmm. the family grows, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and just, uh, communicating that and, mm -hmm. and looking at not like i said the rubbing the nose in and mm -hmm. the, you mm -hmm. know using something and an argument yeah. that you bring that's that's bullshit in yeah. my mind mm -hmm. you i wouldn't be able to make money if it wasn't for alana mm -hmm. being there I and mean, mm -hmm. vice versa when alana goes away man, makes money she can't go away on that business trip or doing that that presentation unless sure. i was there so mm -hmm. it's a team effort so yeah it's, it's one thing I, d I don't like hearing so oh, you can't do it without me or it's my money and that that you know, because you take away fifty percent of that team, you're not going to make money. Right. And so, yeah, that's. And and you obviously went into a, a question I've got actually is you talked about degrees and some of your mother said is it's important to have a degree. Uh, for me, I I I don't have a degree. Alana doesn't have a degree, and we've been very successful. I I, I joined the army. A lot of my friends went to university, got a degree, and actually never did anything with, with it. it. So, yeah. in hindsight, would you say? In hindsight, I, I, with your with your your business now, Matt, which is in business, mm -hmm. did your degree help? Do you think you could have done it without your degree? So I, you know, my perspective has changed over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, being uh, uh, an entrepreneur and and starting something from you know from scratch, um, <clears throat> I think that it goes back to what we were taught in generations, right? Generations that, that we came out of versus you know the gener the current the millennials and yeah. and, and uh, the next generation thereafter. You know, uh, it was uh, it was something that was really high regard, right? Like it was respected, and you know, you got a college degree, and you know, I was the first one in the family, for example, to to, to get that, and I believe you were as well. No. Um, but you know, so the prestige behind having a degree mm. back in that generation was a little bit more. Mm. Um, you know, taking it present day, you know, today it's a box check, right? Yeah. A degree is a box check for certain certain um roles uh or positions that are that are advertised but you'll see things in business you'll hear people like elon musk and you'll hear people that uh you know a lot of these tech companies where you know zuckerberg for example didn't complete the degree you know yeah. and, and you know those are very extreme situations of, of success mm -hmm. but um i today if asked that question uh, i think it comes down to um hustle heart and passion yeah. um and 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 really <laughs> Uh, now you need to know what to be able to do. You can't just rub two sticks together and think you're going to build an empire. Right. Sure. So you have to, I think that there's a still a very much a need to, um, master your craft, whatever it is you're parlaying off of years and years of experience mm. in military. Right. Course, yeah. So that was your study period. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I'm parlaying off of years of business related, um, um, lessons and things like that. And then trial and error in, in, in real life, uh, in, in practice. Um, so it all, I think, is important, you yeah. know, but at the end of the day, we talk to our kids, you know, we obviously, you know, the college experience is, yes, it's about getting a degree, but it's also about developing from 18 to 22. These are real critical years in your life and mm -hmm. understanding how to not just go to class, but, you know, how to build your routines when your parents aren't there, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Do you get up for class at 8 a.m., right? When it's time to go on a Tuesday when your parents aren't there, or do you sleep in? 
Yeah. Um, and so giving them that baton passed creates some independence. That's where I think university and a degree is also important is mm-hmm. the life skills side. Yeah. Along with the academics, too, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not going to hurt you. Yeah, the discipline. Yeah, because I think we we touched and we come from a generation where it was almost expected you need to go get get a degree, or it's frowned well, upon, or you, you felt like it. you underachieved if you didn't go a degree. I felt that. I when, think if you use it for the right reasons, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are love school, love the enjoyment, want to go on to the the campus lifestyle, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's not going to really. For me personally, I never went to university. My life didn't afford it, I guess, but. Mm-hmm. I have probably been learning since it was possible to learn and I never stopped. So it didn't matter if I started working at 11 and as soon as I could do like what we called an MVQ within the job, I would do extra work, you know, do extra courses, anything. Mm -hmm. So there was never, I'm still studying right now because my brain has to always be doing that little bit of extra. But I think the the discipline that it gives you, Mm -hmm. I've got an exam due, I need to get that done. It doesn't matter that I've just had a baby, I've got two other kids, I've got three other businesses, I've got a book coming out that exam needs to get done on that date. So I think that I, my advice to anybody who isn't going to uni would be always be studying something, be learning a language, learn, learn, keep the brain functioning. Um, I think it's when you decide I'm not going to go to uni and I'm just not going to learn anything. And then, then you're giving up on chances. You don't want to wander aimlessly through life. (laughs) So whatever you choose to do, whether it's university or a trade or, anything just go be great at it you know what i mean yeah. you give your best version of yeah. yourself is i think the message in that we have yeah and i think if wendy was to stay at home and not do the pta and and not just look after the kids but you know not have that stimulation with something else and mm-hmm. keeping you going whether it's paid or not absolutely you're you have that purpose that. i've said for a long well even to our kids we've said to them you don't have to go to college, but mm. what's your plan? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. There has yeah. to be a plan. Yeah. If you don't have a plan and you don't really know what you want, then you go and maybe while you're there, you figure mm-hmm. it out. But you can't just sit around. Yeah. You know, you can't just sit around. There's got to be something. And so, like Matt said, when you're there, there's things I learned being in college that have nothing to do with being in the classroom. Mm-hmm. It's just you're exposed to different people that you're not used to being exposed to in your little town or wherever you grew up in, in just that one area. You're exposed to these, especially if you move away for college, you're exposed to a different surrounding, you're exposed to different people. You are no longer having your mom cook your meals or your whoever, grandma cook your meals, <laughs> do your grocery shopping, do your laundry. Um, you're doing all these things for yourself and you're realizing, okay, this is what being an adult is. It's mm-hmm. not turning 18 and now you're an adult. Yeah. It's I'm, okay, I'm looking out for myself and I'm making these decisions. What time am I going to bed? Even if I have to be up at that time tomorrow mm-hmm. where we're making those decisions for our kids if they're at home. Um, so there's a lot to learn from that. Mm. But like Matt said, in the early, you know, the 80s, 90s, that was the thing. You yeah. went to college. Yeah. I, My grandfather, my mom's father, was a doctor. And he was highly regarded by everyone in this town in Nicaragua. And, you know, everyone in our family was like, Dr. Casada. That's Dr. Casada. I mean, mm-hmm. that holds a big title. Yeah. And so my mom was very like, you go to school and you get this and people will hold you at a high regard. Mm. And it was ingrained in us that that's what you did. And I didn't have a plan besides this is what I want to do. I yeah. want to study and I want to work with kids and that's what I want to do. And therefore I can't just 
go out and find that job. Mm. I'm going to have to take some mm. steps and learn and, and figure that part out. I think children, that's uh, children, because I'm old. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the youth today feel that they, they have to um, make a decision early what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Right. And when I, I joined the army at 17 and a half, so thankfully I did that. And then, you know, I had a great career in that. But if I had gone to university, I still probably wouldn't have known what I wanted to do mm -hmm. until maybe later on. What mm -hmm. I love about American universities, you actually don't choose what you're going to do until a year or two into it. Yep. You, you yeah. learn those skill sets around, mm -hmm. you know, the discipline mm -hmm. um, and enjoy being on, on university campus. And then you make a decision, which I mean, mm -hmm. it's good. Whereas UK, you have to make, you that, have decision. To make that decision. Right I mean, right straight away, right you, right you're right. under the pressure of, of exams and, mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. So I do like the way the Americans um, do that. But for me, I, I, I get a lot of messages of young, ch young children who are oh, my mum and dad want me to go to university, but I want to join the army. I'm like, well, mm. just, just talk to them, just tell them yeah. they may not know that. Um, because to me, it's, it's, yes, there's some great things about going to university, but there's some great things about doing another job you, and, you're, and you have to be happy. You can't Absolutely. want to be resenting. Um, but also here again in America, and, I, and we'll go on to your, um, children shortly your mm -hmm. son's a great sports person so <laughs> what the university then does for you there helps a lot as well right. so um but yeah the um and then business wise obviously i know where you're working now but was that the first business you set up or there must have been some failings along the way because i always <laughs> see successful business people and it's like this is my successful business yeah. which is great and i'm like yeah but i want to know your lessons learned from those the, the, the business you mm -hmm. set up before. So what was your first business? Yeah. Uh, uh, how long do you have? Uh, <laughs> We've got a while. So, uh, you know, I, again, it started while being employed, you know, uh, in coming out of college with a, you know, a traditional job uh, and always thinking, you know, nights and weekends, what can I do? What can I build? What can I create? Um, you know, real estate was always a passion of mine. Um, and uh, I, uh, Actually, we bought our first house together and uh, um, I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, uh, carrying the bag and calling on doctors in a particular area. And and uh, I remember our, we were getting ready to, to list our home for sale to move to Santa Clarita. Hmm. And uh, uh, the broker comes out and we're talking and he's like, my gosh, you'd be so great at, in real estate. You know, you, you love to talk and you, know, you understand the industry. And, and so... Uh, I went to her and I was like, I'm going to be a realtor. Mm. And uh, <laughs> she goes, you know, what? And uh, I said, no, 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 I'll be on the side and I'll just, you know, kind of Well, you had already it. been a furniture salesman. Yeah. You had already been a pharmaceutical <laughs> salesman. Yeah. <laughs> you, had worked, yeah. you had worked in a lot of places. Right. And, and, and so the way I got her to agree yeah. to it is I said, I'm going to stay in pharmaceuticals, but I'm going to night and weekend build a real estate career because uh, it was something that was on your own time, on pace. Yeah. And so- Fast forward, long story short, I did that, took the classes, got licensed, um, actually did pretty good um, at it. Uh, and uh, I told her once I got to a point where I was making more than what my current job was, or double, I said double, right? Um, what the current position was, then I would go into it full time. That way she would feel comfortable. But, uh, you know, at that time, I wasn't thinking about real estate cycles and stuff like that, the Im impact that these can make. And, uh, <laughs> So uh, I worked for a major national brand in Century 21 at that time. And then I had this brilliant idea to go on my own with partners and uh, create an a independent agency in probably the most expensive part of Los Angeles in Century City, Beverly Hills area. Yeah. 
So it took on a lot of uh, uh, expense that, you know, quite frankly, what, looking back on it today was just no other word to describe, but stupid. Um, <laughs> and and started that company. Um, it was called Trio, actually, Trio Realty and Lending, and uh, failed in nine months. Fell right on its face. I don't know if you remember 2007 when the market yeah. went collapsed yeah. and short sales and foreclosures. And we were just, you know, talk about getting ahead of your skis. We were miles in front of our skis. Um, and so uh, I think, you know, the partners uh, that I had at the time, they, you know, wanted to, you know, they just kind of abandoned ship and, you know, may in hindsight have been the smartest play. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what, I have to take on the world and uh, I'm going to save this company. And so I attempted <laughs> to do that. And uh, the only way to be able to do that was to um, take on like, you know, the amount of debt that we incurred mm. uh, a little over at the time was a little over a million uh, dollars, which was a lot, a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, and I said, don't worry, babe, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of this. But I took, uh, took on like five jobs. Like I was running all over the place. Um, you know, um, had a health scare at the time as a result, I got a blood clot from traveling, um, uh, driving 12 hours. So, um, after, uh, after, uh, what was it? Six years? I think it took six, six or seven years. I paid myself, paid ourselves back from that investment. And, uh, well, <laughs> I'm saying I, there was two, there was two, there was two, there was two, there was two options. There was uh, bankruptcy. Yes. And I yeah. had always said to her, I said, listen, as long as I can work, I'm going to save the bankruptcy card. Cause if something happens to me, you need to use it. Cause we had assets, you know? Okay. And so mm -hmm. I said, I'll go out and grind and do whatever it takes. And you save that wild card if something ever happens to me. And, uh, that's why I did it, uh, for her and the family. And so, um, I, I did that and, uh, you know, it was a huge failure, but probably, you know, and there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of grief during that time for us. Mm. Um, it was not, you know, what it is today. Um, but it was at that, it was a big turning point for me to understand, you know, what was important, um, what, what it means to focus on one thing and, and what it means to, um, build something you know, on your own versus having, you know, partners and things like that and really finding an industry that can't smack you in the face like that and, and completely derail you. Yeah. And I was laser focused and that's how we moved into where, where we are today with Trisources is, uh, um, I found an industry that does have a recession proof label to it. <laughs> so that's. And for me, what is Trisource? So Trisource International, we're, a um, uh, outsourcing firm. We do business process outsourcing. So companies all over the world will hire companies like Trisource to uh, do things like back, off, back office tasks, uh, sales, customer service. So if you ever contact, um, you know, a customer service number, you're reaching a contact center that's typically somebody like us that's answering those phones for you. Okay. Um, so um, a lot of companies um, for um, you know, anybody you can think of from Fortune 50, Fortune mm. 100, all the way to small and medium-sized businesses have a need for outsourcing because uh, labor markets constrict or wages get too high domestically here to hire. So they need to be able to go offshore. Um, we're focused in nearshore in Mexico and Central America because of language capability and cost. Um, but there's a lot in um, Philippines, India, other parts of Eastern Europe where 
mm-hmm. uh, these fulfillment centers uh, operate. Mm-hmm. So, and who's the, who's the brainchild of TriSource? Is it something you, you obviously there's there's sales in there, and you mentioned your furniture sales, farmer sales, realtor <laughs> sales. So there was a, obviously mm-hmm. a sales background, but where where was the brainchild? And you started, if I remember rightly, in Nicaragua. And yes. Why why did you decide to start in Nicaragua, not the U.S.? Well, um, you know, it was really important. And uh, I took my first ship down in 2000 to Central America, uh, to Nicaragua. And I just, you know, I fell in love with the country, the culture, the people, the food. Um, and uh, the women. The women. <laughs> right, yeah. She's a brother. And, you know, I remember flying over and we're landing. Um, and I'm, I was look, telling her, I was like, gosh, it's, it's so primitive, right? Like I've never, first time going to a third world country. And, uh, as I'm navigating through the trip, uh, I'm just seeing things for the first time that I've never seen. You have seen this with your mm-hmm. experience, you know, yeah. all over the world. But cool. I, for me, it was, it was, uh, it was crazy. I, I had no idea that that's, and, and so I really like, I think got um, immersed in wanting to spend more time down there. And it was really a goal to, um, you know, keep the family connected so that we weren't just visiting for the holidays, um, that we were, you know, if I could create a business or create a connection where, you know, our travels required us to go back and forth more frequently, that was a win-win for, for all of us. So, um, yeah, I hired uh, a handful of people um, directly yep. to kind of prove the concept out. And I remember it was really small. I mean, just like, like, uh, yeah, we were our own customer. We were our own first we customer. We were our own first customer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I said, I said, I'm going to hire some folks. And, you know, I saw one thing about me is I've always, um, you know, want to find ways to find like double bottom lines where, yes, we build a business, but how can you also impact humanity? Right. And uh, that's where I was like seeing how um, people were being treated at other mm-hmm. uh, companies that were, you know, bigger in size. And I go, gotta be a better way to do this you know so uh first wanted to prove the concept out uh had success and i was like wow these uh the, the talent here is is off the charts and so um i was sitting in uh, uh in the office one day and somebody across the hall goes hey where do you have that team working out of and and uh, i told him and and he's like do you think i can get you know four or five you know people to be on my team uh, for for a major insurance company he was an independent broker yeah I was like, yeah, sure. And so uh, you remember Max? Mm-hmm. So Max, uh, uh, he uh, he hired a team of, I think, four or five. And um, and then we did a really good job for, for him and then uh, referred us into a district office where they wanted 15. And then we got uh, to a point where um, the corporate office hired us. And so, you know, a little over a year's time, we had like 100 and something people working and trying to find ways to build this out and finance it and do everything to get it going. And so that was the the humble beginnings for sure. So I see Wendy's constantly nodding along with everything. Are are you a huge part in, well, how important is Wendy to the success of the business? I I mean, she's the, she's the, uh, in my mind, the heartbeat of the business, you know, um, I, I am the one that, that does, you know, and the team directly every day. Right. But, uh, you know, her impact on the, the business. I, we call her the first lady of Trisource. That's, <laughs> her, that's her, her name. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously there's novelty behind it, but, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, she, her personality and, and her, 
demeanor is is very calming, very uh, neutral, very um, objective, and uh, it's. I think Trisource has two CEOs at times, you know, because you know, obviously, the way that we communicate and her involvement, um, you know, she'll hear me talk about things and she'll hear things because you know, one thing in building Trisource is I've really focused on finding people that I know and trust yeah. in the senior leadership team, right? So you'll find. Um, uh, family and friends that are involved in the business at a very high level within Trisource. And so, you know, knowing that dynamic, um, there are uh, times where she'll hear something. I'll go, how did you hear about that? You know, and, but her opinions, you know, I'll give a different lens yeah. for me to, to, to look at things and understand things. And then my opinions as well are another lens for her to maybe clarify or, yeah you know, counter something she may have heard or seen, or, you know, and we just try to put it all together for the right outcomes. It's a great soundboard. Like it's almost like a mini boardroom at home, isn't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Away from, from the, the mm -hmm. senior execs and directors. For sure. Yeah. A neutral. I think what I used to say with Dean with his, um, especially when it came to the Libya and Somalia, the Yemen's that type of work, because Dean was, was so amazing. And you probably see it as a CEO, you, there's a lot of ass kissing goes on mm -hmm. and there's a lot of yes men around them. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that I never was. I'm mm -hmm. going to give him the honest mm -hmm. answer. Great point. Um, yeah. But uh, she's no bullshit either. She, yeah. she, she will tell you, you know, doesn't worry about hurting my feelings, right? No. <laughs> well, well <laughs> people like to call me Switzerland because I'm very. I yeah. am very much a person that's like, well, hold on a second. You know, did you hear when she said this? And th this was her feeling and this is her perspective, mm. you know? And then and then I can say, but when he said this, I can see this perspective. Mm -hmm. He just didn't really communicate it the way that, you know, everybody's hearing something different, yes. even though you're all saying the same thing, yeah. but you're communicating in a different way. Mm. Um, so I'm very much that person that's like, hold on a second, you're only looking at it from your side mm -hmm. and and look at look at what these people are saying. It's all the psychology. It's very neutral, yeah, and you yeah. take the emotion out of it yes. as well. You're not emotionally sure. immersed yes. in it. Yeah, you're very good at that. Yeah, I can I get it quite emotionally we'll... driven and I will see it with my set of eyes. And then yeah. Alana, when I speak to Alana, she will mm. then... And also grounds me as well, grounds me, brings me back to ground yeah. as well, which mm -hmm. I think is great about husband-wife relationships, sure. business. I think we work quite well because we are that, the extrovert, the introvert, the mm -hmm. listen 25, speak 75, opposite. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> it was interesting what you were saying there. There was, a, there was a specific time that a good friend of ours um in particular Dean's, he'd asked Dean a question once and it was a question that he wasn't able to ask MDLs because of the family he was born into. Um, I won't mention any names, but he had an option at the time of going um, Apache or Lynx, which is the different uh, helicopters he, he got to chose to fly. And he was, he'd, he'd spoke to, to Dean about it and I was stood just listening to the conversation and they were having this full conversation and Dean was chatting, chatting. And when we when we left the conversation, I said, Dean, he was asking your advice. He just didn't know how to ask mm -hmm. properly. And Dean was like, was he? And then he went back to him and he was like, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of was. So mm -hmm. Dean gave him the, the advice, which he eventually went on to do. But that he wasn't hearing what mm -hmm. I was hearing, even though the guy wasn't saying it, I was I was I was hearing yeah. what mm -hmm. the guy was trying to say. So I. Uh, 
firmly agree with that, that sometimes when you're in the conversation, you're not hearing everything that's actually yeah. really going on. Yeah. 